Welcome to Aggravating Circumstances, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Laura Saremi. This is Season 1, Episode 3, Rights and Legal Word Games. Season 1 of Aggravating Circumstances tells the story of Destry Cord McKinney, a musician, studio producer, combat medic, and father. It's a tale of hidden evidence, unintended consequences, and a wrongful conviction. This is a continuing story, so if you're just getting started, you may want to hit pause, go back to episode one, and we'll wait for you here. Calls will be recorded and may be monitored. You may start the conversation now. Hey, hey. I was telling Destry, I I said, when uh, it comes to wrongful convictions, I was like, uh, uh, Laura's pretty passionate. I said, she ain't ain't scared. (laughs) Before we get going on today's episode, I'd like to give a few shout outs to the amazing feedback we're getting. I'm pretty excited about how much responses we've already gotten for two episodes. I want to thank Megan, Angela, Quinn, Tarina, and Frank for all their fabulous feedback. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give us a five-star review. So quick recap, episode one, we talked about Destry McKinney. He was involved in a self-defense shooting where he was run over by a car and he wound up shooting once into the car that Stevelyn Seals was driving. He drove her at 100 miles an hour to the hospital. On the way, he ruptured his gas tank and was almost immediately told to leave. He was taking the car to a nearby gas station. There was a Chevron close by that he was familiar with, so he decided to go there, and he was actually stopped and arrested just meters from the Chevron. So why was he arrested to begin with? What on earth happened? This was a self-defense case. He took her to the hospital. He tried to save her. So today we're going to talk about the Fourth and Fifth Amendment for this journey. And we're going to talk about how all this happened to begin with. So the Bill of Rights, which was passed and ratified in the 1700s, so this goes back a long time, talk about some basic rights. So the Fourth Amendment... I'm going to read the basics of the Fourth Amendment. It's the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Okay. That's a mouthful. Basically, they can't search you for no reason. So this is why if someone shows up at your house and says, I want to search it, you say, do you have a warrant? Or they decide to search your car. You say, do you have a warrant? And you don't let them search your things because your Fourth Amendment right is against illegal search and seizure. There was a landmark case that had the biggest effect on the Fourth Amendment of... As far as I know, any case there was, it was called Map versus Ohio. This was 1957. This is a pretty amazing case. A woman named Dahl Re Map 
She also went by Dolly, and I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce Dolly, if it's Dolly or Dolly. We're going to go with Dolly. So Dolly Mapp was in her house, and the Cleveland, Ohio police showed up, and they were looking for someone to ask questions about a bombing. There was a bombing, I believe it was in her neighborhood, and they wanted to search her house. And she said, no, not without a warrant, which is what everyone should say. And they basically surrounded her house, stormed the neighborhood, eventually decided that they didn't care. They were going to go in there anyway. So they showed up with a piece of paper and said, we have a warrant and we're coming in. She demanded to see the warrant. She grabbed the warrant because it was fake. She stuffed it into her dress and she had a huge altercation with a police officer who stuffed his hands into her dress and took the fake warrant back from her. While they searched the house, they found a pornography collection. Now, this was 1957, and what they considered pornography at the time was probably, I suspect, quite tame for what we consider pornography today. And unfortunately, in Ohio at the time, owning things that were considered lewd or lascivious was a felony. So not only have they now searched her house with an illegal fake warrant, they found some pornography and they arrested her for a felony. She was convicted and sentenced to seven years. This was appealed and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's very interesting. By the way, pornography is protected actually under the First Amendment. And the Ohio law making pornography a felony was overturned at some point and found unconstitutional. This was so ridiculous when it got to the Supreme Court that the justices, they said, universally laughed about pornography being a felony. And it's actually protected under the First Amendment. But they used this case to extend the protections of the Bill of Rights and the Fourth Amendment to the states where you are protected from illegal search and seizure. Some of the books that they found in her house were called things like Memories of a Hotel Man or Memoirs of a Hotel Man, Affairs of a Troubadour, London Stage Affairs, and a law book by Rick Mickelson said, by today's standards, the jury would be shocked at what, quote, constitutes pornography. Well, I looked for these books. I really wanted to see what was in these books. (laughs) Is this tame is this what 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 were these books exactly and most of them were written at the turn of the century turn of the early 1900s excuse me and i looked for the books and i actually i tried rare book dealers and all kinds of places and i was unable to to actually acquire a copy but i did find that one of these books is located in a library under erotic comic books And it's at the Yale University Library. So if you happen to be at the Yale University Library and have a chance to give me some feedback on what is in Memories of a Hotel Man, I would love to know. Moving on. So this Fourth Amendment case, it was reversed by the Supreme Court, and they said that evidence not legally obtained cannot be used. And this judgment by the Supreme Court in 1961 extended this protection to the states. Because before this, 
this protection was only in federal cases, which meant the states could do anything they pleased, which is not okay. Chief Justice Tom Clark said, quote, the state by admitting evidence unlawfully seized serves to encourage disobedience to the federal constitution, which it is bound to uphold. Nothing can destroy a government more quickly than its failure to observe its own laws or worse, its disregard of the charter of its own existence. That's some pretty strong words. So let's go back a little bit. So Destry McKinney is at the hospital. He's just arrived with Stevlin Seals, who he has shot in self-defense as she was running him over with a car. He got her there as quickly as he could. He gets her into the emergency room, and the witnesses testify in pretrial hearings and in court that he was saying, Stevlin, don't leave me, Stevlin, don't leave me, as he was pushing her in in a wheelchair into the hospital. The nurse didn't know Stevlin's name and thought he was saying Stephanie, which would be a more common name. And that's what she testified to, that he was saying, Stephanie, don't leave me. She described him as being very upset, very shaken, very concerned about his friend. They got her immediately started on treatment, and she was walking to the desk with him to get her information, her name, address and information, and before they even reached the desk, a security guard named Martin interfered and said, you have to move your car. The security guard and the nurse both testified at trial that the gas tank wasn't just dripping, it was pouring, quote, unquote. So he went out to move the car. They both said that he left. The prosecutor tried to get them to say that he sped away, that he peeled out of the parking lot, and neither one would say that. They said, no, he wasn't speeding, or they couldn't tell if he was speeding, but he left. He didn't make it very far. He was pulled over by the Chevron that he was going to by an Officer Kid. When Officer Kid pulled him over, Destry went to get out of the car, and he immediately pulled his gun on him and had him put his hands in the car cuffed him and put him in his police car. This was near Birmingham, Alabama. I have been pulled over in Birmingham, Alabama. I did not have a police officer point their weapon at me, nor was I cuffed or put in a police car. So just at the very beginning of this, before they even know if they have the right person and they've pulled someone over, we're already pointing weapons at them and putting handcuffs on them. So he puts him in the back of the police car, and then he notices blood. And so now we have a situation. He's pretty sure they've got the right person that was involved in this person that was shot that was dropped off at the emergency room, and he calls for backup. So he calls for backup, and backup arrives, and they decide to read him his Miranda rights. That's the Fifth Amendment, which we will talk about shortly. So they read him his Miranda rights, and they search him. Now, we just talked about the Fourth Amendment and your right against illegal search and seizure. Now, do they have probable cause? Sure. Let's just say they do. Well, they pat him down and Officer Kidd says that he feels something illegal in his pocket. When he was asked in court, was it a weapon? Were you concerned about your personal safety? He says, no, it was not a weapon. It couldn't have been a knife or a gun or anything like that. They said, well, what did you think it was? He said, well, I believed that it was crack cocaine. It was not crack cocaine. It was 
a bullet. I'm sorry. I've been pulled over by the police in Alabama. They didn't point weapons at me. They didn't put my hands on the car. They didn't handcuff me. They did not pat me down. And they did not assume that a small round object in my pocket was crack cocaine. I have a lot of issues with this entire process. We're being searched, possibly illegally. They've already read him as Miranda rights because they did that almost immediately. So they basically, they cuff him, they put him in the car, and as soon as backup arrives, they read him as Miranda rights. Now, if any one of you have watched television, you have heard these Miranda rights. They are something along the lines of you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in court. You have the right to talk to a lawyer for advice before we ask you any questions. You have the right to have a lawyer with you during questioning. If you cannot afford a lawyer, one will be appointed for you before any questioning if you wish. If you decide to answer questions without a lawyer, you have the right to stop answering at any time. So these are the rights that they read him. Now, let's have a a brief history lesson. If you don't know who Miranda was... Miranda, it was Miranda versus Arizona, and Miranda was arrested at home and interrogated without an attorney until he signed a written confession. There were actually four cases that went to the Supreme Court, all where the defendants were interrogated without attorneys, and they used confessions against them in court to get convictions. None of them were told they could remain silent or that they had a right to an attorney. The court said, and I quote, there can be no doubt that the Fifth Amendment privilege is available outside of criminal court proceedings and serves to protect persons in all settings in which their freedom of action is curtailed in any significant way from being compelled to incriminate themselves. As such, the prosecution may not use statements, whether exculpatory or inculpatory, stemming from custodial interrogation of the defendant unless it demonstrates the use of procedural safeguards effective to secure the privilege against self-incrimination. By custodial interrogation, we mean questioning initiated by law enforcement officers after a person has been taken into custody or otherwise deprived of his freedom of action in any significant way. The court further held that without proper safeguards, the process of in-custody interrogation of persons suspected or accused of crime contains inherently compelling pressures which work to undermine the individual's will to resist and to compel him to speak where he would otherwise do so freely. Therefore, a defendant must be warned prior to any questioning that he has the right to remain silent, that anything he says can be used against him in a court of law, that he has the right to the presence of an attorney, and that if he cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for him prior to any questions if he so desires. Let's talk about games. Petty, ridiculous word games that the justice system plays with people's lives. I don't think that Miranda versus Arizona could be more clear. You have the right to remain silent. So why then, when Destry McKinney was arrested and read his rights to remain silent, and they started questioning him, and he said, I would like an attorney, did the prosecutor get into his case and go after him for asking for an attorney. He used that to show he was guilty. What are you hiding? Why do you need an attorney? Why aren't you just answering our questions? Why weren't you singing to the heavens about what happened? Why were you doing that? Let's talk about Salinas versus Texas. 
Mr. Salinas spoke to the police voluntarily in 1992 about two brothers that were killed. He was convicted because when they asked him if the shells that they found at the scene would match his gun, he didn't answer them. He was just silent. He didn't say they would. He didn't say they wouldn't. He didn't lie. He didn't. He just didn't say anything. Well, the prosecutor used that to convince the jury that he was guilty because he remained silent. His case went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said that staying silent isn't good enough, that his silence can be used against him, and that you have to claim your Fifth Amendment right or your silence can be used against you. They even rejected the claim that if the person didn't know the law and didn't understand what the Fifth Amendment was, it still doesn't matter. Your silence can be used against you, and you still have to claim the Fifth Amendment. See here, Justice Alito said, a witness's constitutional right to refuse to answer questions depends on his reasons for doing so, and courts need to know those reasons to evaluate the merits of a Fifth Amendment claim. The court rejected the argument that because suspects do not know the law, their silence should be understood as a Fifth Amendment plea. In order to claim the Fifth Amendment right to say nothing that might be damaging, you have to explicitly say something that shows your silence is a claim of that right. And since Salinas didn't, the amendment did not protect him according to the decision. What is this garbage. You have the right to remain silent. And if you remain silent, but you don't say, I claim the fifth, my Fifth Amendment right, then your silence can be used against you. Why are we playing word games with people's lives? How are people supposed to know this? When are they supposed to be educated about this? What if English isn't your primary language? What if you didn't finish school? What if you didn't take a law class? What if you're not doing a wrongful conviction podcast. This is unbelievable. So back to Destry. He's been through a traumatic event. He was run over by a car. He shot someone that he's friends with. He's rushed her to the hospital. His fuel tank is leaking gas. A police officer pointed a gun at him, cuffed him. He's arrested. He's been handcuffed. He's been put in a patrol car. He's been searched. He's been read his right to remain silent. And so he remained silent. And I'll let him tell you in his own words why at that point he chose not to answer their questions. Yeah. Well, I should have seen the, the reaction when I was sitting in the car and just asked for the attorney. You know, the guy was, he just came and sat down with me and started talking like he was about to hold a conversation. And, uh, I mean, you know, it was just, it was like, uh, dude, I'm going to just understand I hadn't had an encounter, like, on this level in my life. And I'm a black dude in Alabama. Come on, dude. You know, I'm raised in Ohio. And you got stories about down south. <laughs> Why are you going down there? You know, that type of stuff. Uh, well, I was born down there. You know, my family's down there, but you, you get the stories now. So don't think that I didn't have 
something in my mind about what I'm witnessing about to go through here or how it's going to turn out or could turn out. So, yeah, I mean, I was scared, you know, just flat out. He was scared, just flat out. I would have been scared, too. I hope you've enjoyed episode three of Aggravating Circumstances. This is an ongoing story. If you have any information you would like to share, please reach out at circpod at gmail.com. That's C-I-R-C-P-O-D at gmail.com. As always, don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. Don't forget the kids in the back seat. Everyone stay safe, and we'll see you next week. We'll finish up, as always, with more music by Destry McKinney. To the gold street, the sun never sets. Say goodbye to the old guy, the drama and the death. I feel you because I'm happy, there's strength in his joy. And since the Savior got me, I'm trained and deployed. A soldier in the great, all about the gospel mission. A son in the faith, all about my father's business. He leads me, guides me, resides here inside me. I'm lighting up the sky, but the devil wanna have me. I'm faster of Christ, his word in my chest. I gather in the flock, Holy Spirit does the rest. The gospel of the world when I was lost and didn't know it. A debtor to the Lord, acting like I didn't owe it. But now I know the truth. So they can't shut me down, shut me up, shut me off, shut me out, or mess me round. Protected by the five, no weapon from the prosper. So get your hands up, if your name on the rock. I wanna walk how he walks, talk how he talks. I'm a child of the king, redeemed in blood ball. So we do what he did, pray what he prayed. Not afraid to testify, feel the beat saved by the grave. Not afraid to testify, feel the beat saved by the grave. Not afraid to testify, feel the beat saved by the word. Retribution, but you led me to pray. I've been stuck with no solution, but God made a way. I've been led by the blind, so I suffer many falls. But I'm running out of time, so I answer when he calls. I reach him any hour, any night, any day. I can praise and exalt when there's nothing much to say. The spirit in my body, so I'm one with the king. God is greater than my doubt. Any problem you can bring. He gave me the courage when all I knew was fear. He enlisted my my service and gave me warrior gear, a helmet, a breastplate, a shield made of faith. His truth is my sword for the devils in a way. Turn bold to the throne, he supplies my need. With water in the plant, he supplies my seed. He calls me a son, so I'm calling him dad. It's a love, love relationship like none I ever had. I wanna walk how he walks, talk how he talks. I'm a child of the king, redeemed in blood ball. So we do what he did, pray what he prayed. Not afraid to testify, feel. To be saved by the grace. Not afraid to testify. Feel to be saved by the grace. Not afraid to testify. Feel to be saved by the grace. Just life, life, life more abundantly. It's all about Christ. So I hope you see the sun in me. I can't pay him back. 
for all that he done to me So I just pray for the victory he won to me I don't talk the same, I love without condition I do it in his name and hope it bless whoever listens If you got a void, he's the pieces you've been missing You need to get him now cause the death is no extension You're playing in the pew, but Satan ain't a toy He only comes to steal, kill and destroy Like a voice in the wilderness, I'm calling you to Jesus He will not forsake us and he will never leave us to your heart, you can hear him in my tone, see him in your life, and feel him in your bones, you can read it in your Bible, after I have gone, but I cannot do it for you, the decision is your own, I will walk how he walk, talk how he talk, I'm a child of the king, redeemed in blood bone, so we do what he did, pray what he prayed, not afraid to testify, feel to be saved by the grace. Not afraid to testify, feel to be saved by the grace. Not afraid to testify, feels to be saved by the grace.